Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Serenity, your host, and today we meet Tabitha Hopman. She is a woman who has gone through a journey of self-discovery and healing. Her story begins with a marriage at the age of 24 to her Christian virgin husband. Despite their strong faith and commitment to each other, their relationship began to unravel over the next decade. Tabitha found herself feeling trapped by her belief systems and struggling with codependency as her husband dealt with alcohol abuse and the realization that he was polyamorous. Tabitha began to sacrifice pieces of herself to keep the relationship together. She felt lost and needed to find herself. Despite feeling torn apart emotionally and mentally, she found it difficult to leave due to her love for him and her unwavering belief that God wanted her to stay. It wasn't until her husband fell in love with one of their best friends that Tabitha began to awaken to her own needs and desires. They separated for a time, which started her healing process. Tabitha became open to different healing opportunities and connected with new friends. When they attempted to reconcile, they realized it was not, no longer a good fit. Through it all, Tabitha believes that God brought her back and spoke to her, giving her permission to leave, let go, and trust. When she showed up for this, everything changed. Today, Tabitha is a strong, independent woman who has found her true self and is dedicated to helping others do the same. Such an honor to have you, Tabitha. Thank you so much, Gemma. I'm super excited to be able to share my story. And uh, it's it's crazy to be here. <laughs> it's amazing. It's yeah. amazing. It's really So, Tabitha, we read a little bit your story of unwavering faith in God and the teaching of the church, to be exact. Mm-hmm. For that, then God is there. And you absolutely wanting to stick to your marriage vows when it clearly doesn't work. Can you maybe lead us a little bit through the abusive part of your story, how you abuse yourself, how there is this abuse from the church, how you cannot, you feel that you cannot get out. Because I think that lots of our audience are going to relate to that and hearing it from you, knowing that you came out victorious on the other side can be a healing experience for someone. Yeah. Wow. I would have never before mentioned it to be any sort of religious abuse or, um, you know, emotional abuse or mental abuse. But having come out of what I did and knowing the person that I am, it's how I received it all that really was the abuse. You know, regardless of any intent of another party, the way that I received and experienced what was going on was abuse. And it continued to persist and become abusive within my mind. I was so stuck in my mind. I was held in a place, kind of like when they say what caught in between a rock and a hard place, you know, that's really what it felt like. It felt like there was no wiggle room. There was nowhere to go and nowhere to be. And so I had to 
remain where I was at and have all of the feelings of staying and going at the same time with both of them being horrible options. You know, there was this belief system that I um, grew up with um, and received in a way that made me feel like if I were to divorce, if I were to leave my husband, if I were to do that, it would be one of the biggest mistakes of my life. I believed that um, that God was meant to, you know, save my marriage if my marriage was failing. I also had the belief that this man that I married was supposed to lead my family and lead me in relationship and lead me in these places. And so there was this like tendency to shift and adapt and cultivate my belief systems to fit his as his changed. I mean, like you said, we got married Christian virgins, you know, ready to like pave the way for our marriage. Neither one of us having like divine examples for what marriage would be, but both coming into it with this desire for something beautiful that could like help the world and like cultivate quality relationships and community <laughs> and you can kind of see throughout my story that's not what was happening <laughs> you know so there's this desire when you go into that kind of relationship to have this big beautiful fairy tale and for a girl that grew up desiring that kind of love and acceptance and mission in the world and connection and then being in a place where it's like wait i'm not the only one that you want and desire i'm not the only one that you can fall in love with wait you didn't even fall in love with me <laughs> wait we got married because we were christian virgins and we wanted to have sex for the first time like there's just so many little tiny things like surrounding the formation of our relationship and then the complications that came through it you know so in the midst of all of that, there was a lot of mental gymnastics that were very self-abusive in my own mind because I couldn't figure out where I was supposed to go. I was in like one of those video games, you know, that's trying to find the end or the boss to kill so that you can move on to the next level. And I was lost. Totally understand that. Did you think about reaching out to even the church members? I don't know, to sharing your struggles or it was really like, you do not share any struggle. Everything is perfectly happy, beautiful. You had a gorgeous family. Do not even try. How was it for you? Yeah. Um, so I grew up in the church, but then I went to Bible school and then I started at another church. And then that church actually, you can call it failed or ended or closed, whatever happened, the church was done. So my husband at the time and I decided to join a home church. And in the midst of that, um, reached out to a couple of the couples that were a part of it, but it wasn't structured like a church. It wasn't... Um, Everybody there had been kind of hurt by the church in some way or didn't like how church was performing. And so we kind of like I had some women helping me and he had some men helping him. Um, but that only came once the separation happened. That didn't that was never like something that felt accessible or knowing how to access that prior to the aha moment of like 
something's wrong, <laughs> you know, like that wake up moment. And then we've read just before when you read your, your, uh, your bio that your wake up call is when he fell in love with your best friend. Yeah. <laughs> is that the biggest, like, slap in the face, wake up call, rock bottom? It's impossible. It, it was really, it was a lot of things, <laughs> you know, it was. I you. Um, you. I also did, I found out in a really weird way. Um, I found out I was. He was up late drinking with a friend and I found out because I was going to bed late and happened to pass through our living room area. We lived in an old house where the windows paint, like the windows were very, very thin. He was outside talking to a friend and something like, you know, they get that little like tickle in your neck or something just like perks you up. And um, I heard the conversation and he was telling someone else the information. So I didn't even find out from him. I heard as I was going upstairs, going to bed, which also tended to cause even more problems at the time. Um, But the weird part about it is that it was like my nervous system almost felt comfortable with the news because I would like, I finally felt like I wasn't crazy. Like all the things that had been going on in my head and going on in my mind and the stories that my brain was telling based on things that were happening within our daily lives. It was like him falling in love with someone that wasn't me was like, it all makes sense. It was like all the puzzle pieces that had been floating and around in my head were finally put and I had the actual picture and I wasn't crazy anymore. So that almost felt calming to my nervous system to find that out. And that's one of those things that when you tell someone that's like alarming, you know, that's not like exciting. That's not like comforting in some way. But in that context, because I had just been dealing with that mental gymnastics for so long, it was like a moment of comfort. And I say a moment because it didn't last very long because eventually you wake up to it. But it's like what happens when you get hurt, you know, you fall and you kind of have this like shocked like moment you're like stunned you're like wait what's happening like this doesn't feel real this feels like a movie you know this doesn't feel like real life you know and it was one of those moments <laughs> and that moment probably should be the jury i don't know how long prompted you to say you know what let's agree to separate or was it like I'm storming out and never come back. <laughs> I don't know. Jeffrey <laughs> being one of those things where he got really upset. It was very much so like I, I had done something wrong because this was private information. This was something he wasn't ready to tell me, but he wasn't talking to me, someone that he had talked about sharing everything with, you know, for the sake of truth and honesty and vulnerability um but that window had started closing on our relationship before that even happened so he wasn't ready to talk to me about it nor ready to tell anybody he felt ashamed for like what had happened but because i had found out this information unbeknownst to him and was working out my own clarity of that situation um, it caused a lot of 
frustration and arguments and everything like that that ended up leading to us separating kind of like he almost I believe he was the one to kind of like push me away in that in that moment after it happened and whether or not he did that out of like guilt or frustration or pain or I mean it could be a million things right um, but that was the catalyst for our separation did you leave or did he leave um I stayed and he left okay and that was good and that was good that was the best outcome possible yeah yeah it was there was a lot of pain and a lot of hurt there was moments of him um without sharing his personal details but there were definitely times that he would call in this pain and anguish um not knowing what to do next because his life was falling apart you know <laughs> I wasn't the one to fix it <laughs> You know, we were both going through our own struggles with, you know, our religious backgrounds, our belief systems, his, you know, reckoning with how he felt about other women and beyond. And we were both kind of in our own mess. You know, I have grown up in a, in a church during my 10 first years. It was an evangelical, apostolical type of church very much founded on the Bible and <clears throat> and was too young to be um, taught about uh, male-female relationship or marriage, I should say. But what I was taking on in terms of deep-rooted teaching was that your father in heaven is same as your father on earth, but it's gone. So that can be seriously debilitating. Oh, yeah. Because human beings, when we are in our humanity, we can have so many flaws. We can do so many mistakes, relationship mistakes, behavior mistakes. We can do so much hurt. So when we try to connect, you see, God is like your daddy in heaven. Not really. Okay, start over. No, it doesn't feel right. <laughs> there is something in there. However, the where I feel that the church globally is failing us as members. And that is my personal opinion, okay, is when the strong belief prevail over the well-being, happiness, and fulfillment. Absolutely. The belief system prevails. And that, in my opinion, is wrong. Because then, when you see wounded people, sometimes stop going to church and this is when you pick up the pieces and it's like Ugh. and now what <laughs> and you really need to have counseling from people who are aware of church and out of church to actually allow you to put yourself back together facilitate your healing and takes a number of years it takes sometimes it's decades yeah, I think what's often lost um, 
or what I've seen often lost in my church experience is that when people come broken and wounded and needing support where there's a lot of guilt and shame, if there aren't offering or spaces for those people to go to, it can often feel like you're showing up like not having access to the help that you need. It can feel like the beliefs, like you said, are so high that my brokenness can't survive here. And so they exit trying to figure out the broken wounded pieces, whereas I believe the church should be a place that you can bring your wounded and brokenness to, right? We're talking about, I mean, like I, I'm still, I still believe in God. I still believe in Jesus and the story, you know, and the gospel. But I also find that too often we try to like dismiss all the pain and hurt as if it's not supposed to exist within the people who attend church when really the people who attend church are often the people who are like, I see my brokenness. I see my pain. I see my sorrow. And I want to know that I belong too. I want to know that I'm accepted. I want to know that I belong somewhere in the midst of my pain, in the midst of my brokenness, in the midst of my problematic marriage, in the midst of me not being able to get out of an abusive situation because I need a community that can support me, that can hold me, that can carry me, that can lead me out of brokenness because that's what God and Jesus are here for, right? Jesus heals. He heals the blind man. He, you know, he helps the people who are in that place. He doesn't put shame on them. He doesn't guilt them. He doesn't judge them. He tells them the truth and he shows up where they're most broken, you know? And that's the thing that I feel like a lot of people are in that sense, don't find the help that they need in church because when they show up to church and it feels self-righteous or it feels like if you don't believe all these things and know all these things and have your life together, then you don't belong here and neither does your pain, then people leave. Tabitha, you have gained so much awareness and knowledge of the real world really wants real people. And that is absolutely amazing. How did you turn that into a business or into a professional activity or maybe, maybe even a ministry? I don't know. What is, how do you serve people now? Yeah, I tell people I'm a relationship peace guide. And this feels, it feels very true for not a business, like not just a business, but actually my life. You know, I'm constant, I've been in my entire life um, put in positions where I was either mediating or getting to people to see the other side or connecting people or people coming to me with their pain or their problems or wanting advice or wanting my opinion. And I will be the first one to say I'm not perfect and I don't know it all. <laughs> um, but I've heard a lot of people say this, especially in, in like a coaching industry or anything, but your pain does become your purpose if you learn and you heal, right? And that is 
the fact that I've gone through all of this, you know, we talk about like slaying your giants in the morning, you know, the things that kind of want to keep you down and keep you reserved and keep you stuck. And um, I want to be the person who shows up alongside another woman and helps her slay those dragons. Like she deserves better. She deserves so much more. And she needs to believe that she's worthy of so much more. She's worthy of love. She's worthy of acceptance. She is more than enough and is completely capable of having the love and the deep love that she truly desires in and outside of relationship for herself, for others, with others, in community. And more than anything, I want to see women rise up and feel that sense of belonging and community and love within themselves and for others. That's absolutely fantastic. So we we can call that a coach in business, but it's much more mentoring in business that you are doing. Because being there done that you do and Yeah. Wow. I imagine you would do a lot of one on one. Do you do so from a group coaching or not yet? Um, I've been doing one on one coaching in person. Um, I'm currently working on expanding my reach online, being able to reach more women in this space that aren't necessarily local. And I am, um, I've created a group program now that I'm able to do where I take women through eight weeks of a journey, whether it's wildly therapeutic woman's journey or a self mastery journey, um, being able to take a sincere and willing spirit deep dive into themselves so that they can show up for the true love and deep love that they desire in their life. But it starts with us, you know, it starts with us making the move and taking that one next step. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we are putting in the description of this episode, the exact links to reach out to you. I heard widely therapeutic and that is, is that the name of your company? Yes, it is. Okay. So widely therapeutic, Tabitha Hopman, Hopman, H-O-P-M-A-N-N, so mm-hmm. Tabitha, T-A-B-I-T-H-A, for those who listen and quickly <laughs> write down. Yeah, and it's important. I do have a website, wildlytherapeutic.com, and then I offer a free group on Facebook, um, which is facebook.com slash groups slash wildly therapeutic. Okay. That's easy to and wildly therapeutic.com. Okay. I did that down. That is absolutely awesome. My last question for you, Dita. What is the thing I miss asking you that you want your audience to know? Mm. Making sure that the deep core has been conveyed. Yes. If you are someone who has been gripping so tightly to this life you desire and not seeing it come about, You have been chasing, you have been wrestling, you have been longing for something so much bigger than what you have. And you see her, you see the person you are in your mind, but you don't see yourself filling her shoes yet. 
there's something blocking you. There's something holding you stuck. And I believe so much in the power of redemption and actually seeing this one beautiful life that we have become something that you can thrive in. And all it really takes is one step forward. Don't be afraid to ask for help. Don't be afraid to ask for guidance. Don't even worry about what comes next because oftentimes the fear of what comes next is the thing holding you back when really we end up staying in a spot where we are more comfortable with the pain that we're in right now because it's known versus going out into the scary unknown pain. What if that happens? What if that happens? And then we remain stuck. When we can say, what if it's actually better? What if I can actually have what I want? And start asking the what ifs that lead to the result that you really want and cling to those beliefs over clinging to the pain that you know, I think we can make some really big strides. And I think women will be able to see themselves living the life that they've always wanted. Wow. That is said. And I fully, completely stand by you, Tabitha. Awesome. <laughs> I hope other women see their worth and see their value. I mean, I have enough written on or written, I tattooed on my wrist, on my forearm, because it was something I had to remind myself of daily. We have to tell ourselves the truth. We have to tell ourselves the truth about who we are. We cannot allow the lies and the negative things to win and rule our lives. And to be able to start hearing the truth, you got to surround yourself with beautiful women who can tell you the truth about yourself. Get some better mirrors, you know, get some mirrors <laughs> that can stand in front of you and tell you who you are because it's the truth, not because of whatever's floating around in your head or the random comments that people are saying who aren't serving you. About that, and that is the last thing I'm going to chime in. When you hear someone mirror you and tell you you are beautiful, gorgeous, amazing, etc., and everything, but you do not believe that to be true for yourself and dismiss that, my answer to that is it starts with you with said flaws. If you start to change the language toward yourself and you start to pat your own back to congratulate yourself for the baby steps you succeed, even if it is just waking up in the morning and getting out of bed. Yep. It's already great. You already are doing something with your life. Yep. And it starts with you because for, I don't know, a million times, and I'm not even sure to exaggerate a little bit, I heard a million times from my beloved third, last and very husband, Sasha. He told me for about probably three years, probably a hundred times a day, not exaggerating. <laughs> You are a genius. You are a genius. You are wonderful. He was really trying to train my brain into starting to believe that. Yeah. It was so hard that I was just used to hear that. And I did not take it in until the day it clicked. 
And the day it clicked is the day I realized, hold on a second. As long as I don't love myself the way you say that you love me, I will never be able to receive your love. It starts with me. Wow. Yeah. call in the healing journey. That was a gigantic one. Yeah. That was a very, very big one. And yes, indeed, surround yourself with people who see your truth. Who see who you truly are and who hold you at that level, look up to you. Yep. Because that is you. Is it? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah. You think that of me? Wow. That sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> we all deserve healing and we all deserve to see the true self in the mirror that is beautiful, wonderful enough just because we breathe. <laughs> exactly. I think it's an amazing conversation that has a lot of power. And we imbue this conversation with the power of God, Holy Ghost, and be sure that it really reaches the right heart at the right time. Yes. Amen. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so, so much, Evita. Thank you, Gemma.